Hey everybody, I hope you're doing well. And listen, this weekend, I am so excited. We're starting a brand new series here called Jesus for Everyone. And we're going to walk through the Gospels, the life of Jesus, and we're going to look at how he related to different people. And that you know what? That Jesus is truly for everyone. And so I'm excited about this series this weekend. Uh, we're going to look at this, this topic, this message. In fact, is the sermon title is A Friend for Believers. Now listen, I, I don't know if you remember when you came to faith in Christ and what it was like as vivid as I do, but I remember that service that I was in when I came to faith in Christ all the way back in the 80s. And in the church where I came to faith in Christ in, we sang hymns. That was our tradition. In fact, is in the 80s, just about all churches sang hymns in those days. And, and, and my fav- favorite hymn that has really stayed with me all of, those year, all of these years was just this hymn, and it was just called, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. For me, that song was important. It was important from the way that I came to faith in Christ and that I realized, you know what, Jesus is my friend. Jesus is for me. I have a relationship with him. I have a friendship with him. He forgives me. He loves me. And that hymn has helped me all of these years. And, and now as we've entered into this, this pandemic, this quarantine, this crisis that we're in, that song has, has been important to me. And so I've wondered when I've thought about that hymn, I've wondered this, how in the world do people make it through a pandemic? How in the world do people make it through a crisis or a quarantine without a personal relationship with Jesus, without a companionship with him? And so this weekend, we're going to look at this topic, and in the weekends following, we're going to look at Jesus for the hurting, and Jesus is for for those that have doubt, and Jesus is for the lost, and Jesus is for the, the desperate, and Jesus is for those that are far away from him. He is for you. And I just want you to understand that Jesus is for everyone. And he wants you to come into a relationship with him. And so this weekend, we're going to look at this issue of just just this relationship that we have with him. See, there's some conditions on relationships, right? There's conditions on friendships as well. And and Jesus gives us that in John chapter 15, 14. He says this. He says, you are my friends if, there's a condition, if you do what I command. In other words, this, that a relationship, a friendship is, is based on some things. And Jesus is saying, you know what? If you, if you hear my word, if you believe my word, and then if you obey it, it's this issue of hear, believe, obey, that you, you follow me. That we have this relationship, we have this friendship. And so we're going to look at a life of a man that, that, that had a friendship with Jesus. He was found in, in Luke chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. If, if you're not there, you can click to turn to. If not, the scriptures are going to come up on the screen as I read them. And I want to talk to you about this man. He, he was a centurion, and that's important for this story. He was a Roman soldier, in other words. He was a Gentile. He, he, he wasn't Jewish, and that's important for this story. And, and he was in a crisis. He, he was going through difficulty. And so, so I want to give you three points as we just look at this story. Maybe some principles that we can understand, or maybe some principles that we can live by. And so the first thing we see in the story, and we're going to walk through the story together, is there, there's a request. There was a request that, that was made that kind of initiated this whole deal. And, and so the first three verses, Luke chapter 7, verse 1 through 3, the scripture says, after he had finished all of his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. And now a centurion had a servant who was sick at the point of death, who was highly valued by him. 
when the satyrian heard, remember that first word, hear, hear, believe, obey. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him the elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. So off the bat, I mean, there's like this request that was made. When you look at the life of the centurion, and listen, it's so important to understand his life. One is this man was a, an influential man. I mean, he was, he was a centurion, which meant he was a Roman soldier, which meant he was like a commander. He had about a hundred soldiers that were under him. So he is a man who had authority. He was a man that was influential. He was a man that was prominent in the community, in Capernaum. I mean, when this man traveled, when this man walked around, everybody knew who this centurion was. And, and so the interesting thing to me is that any time you see the scriptures talk about a centurion, it always spoke of them in a very favorable light. Several different times in scriptures, the scriptures do that. And so, so verse four, as we just move through this story, and when he came to Jesus, so he, and when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly saying, he is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation. He is the one who built us our synagogue. Now let's stop right there. Here's an interesting thing. Just a few months ago, I was standing in this man's synagogue that he built with about 40 people from Fellowship of the Rockies. I mean, this was an influential man. This is a man who had done some things in his community, and guess what? I have been there. We have stood in this synagogue. We have opened the scriptures together in the synagogue. The synagogue still stands to this day. I mean, what he built years ago still stands. In fact, is you can travel there and you can see this for yourself. And so this man was highly, highly respected in the Jewish community. Here's another thing about that story. He was a compassionate man. And he was a compassionate man. See, see in, in Roman rule, in Roman times, for them, a slave was just like a piece of, 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 a, a, piece of a, a farm implement or a tool. And when it could no longer do the job or when it was broken, you just would discard it so many times. When a Roman person had a slave who, could, who was sick or who was ill, who could no longer perform their duties, they would just like cast them aside and, and, and get another one. Not this man. This man was a compassionate man. This man cared deeply about, about this person who he employed or this person who worked for him. And someone described compassion as this, and, and it's just kind of never left me. Compassion is this, is your pain in my heart. Your pain in my heart. That was this centurion. That was this man. He was also a humble man. I mean, this man was very humble. In verse 6, it says, and Jesus went with them. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Now, listen, let me tell you something. If you know anything about this culture, you know this. Romans were not known for their humility. Romans, fact is, Romans tended to be a little bit arrogant. Romans were not known for their humility, especially in the way they relate to, to Jews and, and especially to a Jewish rabbi. I mean, and, and yet you see this man, this man, he's a centurion, he's influential, he's prominent, he's compassionate, but listen, he's also humble. Listen, faith, faith always begins with this humble admission that I, I am inferior to God. I don't have all of the answers. I can't solve all of my problems, much less I can't solve all of your problems. And I, I need a compassionate friend. That's why Jesus like, remember that's why Jesus took a little child 
just to prove a point, just to help them understand, and set a child on his lap and said, unless you become like a child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. That, that one who becomes like this little child will become like the greatest in the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And when you look at this centurion, you realize that they had this childlike characteristic that attracted Jesus to him and him to Jesus. The characteristic that really impressed Jesus was not all that this man had done and not all this man accomplished. It was that he was a believing man. Remember this? Here, believe, obey. Evidently, and we don't know how, evidently this centurion heard all of the stories about Jesus. He must have heard some stories about Jesus performing some miracles and that Jesus healed a man with a withered hand and that he'd cleansed a leopard, that he had taken a paralytic or a man that was paralyzed and he caused him to walk. And this man must have, he must have believed those accounts. Here, believe, obey. Since this man had nowhere else to turn and he was humble, he had humility, he knew he didn't have all the answers, he knew he couldn't fix everything. So he sends some of his friends to Jesus and, and said, I, I have a request and could you come and heal my servant? And, and he sent his friends to Jesus because maybe also he didn't feel he had access to Jesus, because he's a Gentile, he's a Roman. Maybe you feel like you don't have a spiritual background. You've never darkened the doors of a church. Maybe it's something to do with a lifestyle or the life you've led up to this point. And you feel like you don't have access to God. Well, I'm telling you, he'll chase you down. He'll come to you. He desires to have a relationship with you. He desires to be your friend. He desires to forgive you of your sins and to walk with you. Verse 7, as we just track through this story, this man says, he says, well, therefore I do not presume to come to you, but, I, but say the word, and you all of a sudden you start hearing his faith, and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And I say to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does that. You realize that this man had remarkable faith and that he was a Gentile. He had a pagan, back, pagan background. He's a Roman soldier. He was self-sufficient. I mean, he was, he was influential in the community. But, but he believed that he needed Jesus. And he believed that if, that if Jesus, listen, if Jesus would just say the word, Jesus didn't have to come to his house. If Jesus would just say the word, that was good enough. The, the servant would be healed. Now, listen, I, I'm a man with a certain amount of authority. I mean, I, there's some things I can say, and it just happens. I can say, you know, this is time that staff meeting is going to be, and it happens. I can say this is the time of our services, and, and it happens. I, I can say, you know, let's all stand or let's all pray, and, 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 and it happens. But, but I realize my, my authority is limited. There, I mean, there's some things I say, and it doesn't happen. Like when I go home, I can go home and say, let us have fried chicken, mashed potatoes, cream gravy, Texas toast, and... Well, it doesn't happen. Here, here at the church, 
I can stand up and say, let there be no more cowboy or Texans jokes. And they just keep coming. Some of you right now, you may be typing away. That is not what that response bar is for. You may be sharing Texas jokes or cowboy jokes with me right now. But God, God has all authority. When he speaks at his word, the universe obeys his word. In the beginning, he said, let there be light, and there was light. He said, let dry land appear, and dry land appeared. Jesus said, let there be vegetation, and there was vegeta vegetation to begin to spring forth. And now Jesus was God in the flesh, and he said, he has all authority under heaven and earth, and it has been given to him. And Jesus spoke, and in the, the universe obeyed him. Whether it was demons or whether it was storms or whether it was disease or, or even trees. And this, this centurion recognized that Jesus had this unique authority. And he, he asked Jesus to exercise it on his behalf. Just say the word. What faith? You don't have to come to my house. Just I understand authority. Just say the word. And my servant would be healed. That's, that's remarkable faith. The second thing is this, is there was not only a request, but the second thing is this, is there was a response. All of a sudden, you see Jesus has like a response to this. And so verse 9, the scripture says, when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. That's huge. And turning to the crowd that followed him, said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found that the servant was well, so they heard, they believed, and they obeyed. They just, they just obeyed. They just went back home. There's only a couple of times, just real quickly, this is like for free, there's only a couple of times that I know of in Scripture when Jesus said that he, he marveled over something. One was this time when he marveled over the centurion's faith and he marveled over his great faith. Another time, I think it's in Mark chapter 6, verse 6. It was in, it was in Nazareth. And he, he marveled of the unbelief of his Jewish brothers. Said he wished he could do so much more. But he was limited because their lack of belief, because their lack of faith. And Jesus, listen, Jesus helped this man. Not because of the synagogue that he built. Not because he was a worthy man. Not because of all the good things that he did. Jesus healed this man's servant because of his faith. I mean, Hebrews 11.6 about faith tells us this. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must, here we go, would you see it, must believe that he exists. And he rewards those who seek him. See, that, that is just such a key verse in understanding what faith is. If you want to be a friend of God, I mean, we got to believe that he is real. Hear, believe, and obey. We got to believe that he is real. We got to believe that he is good. Got to believe that he is loving and good. And that guess what? That he rewards those that seek him, that follow him, that hear, believe, and obey. James 2.23 says this about another friend of God that Scripture says, or a man with great faith, his name is Abraham. And he says, and the Scripture was fulfilled that says, 
Abraham believed God. And it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. It's encouraging to know. It's encouraging to know. Abraham was not a perfect man. He lied a couple of times on, the, on occasion about his wife's identity to protect himself. There were a couple of times he got ahead of God's will. But Abraham came to that place that he had amazing faith. And he believed that even though he was older, past childbearing years, that he would still have a son, just as God had said and protected uh, and, 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 and predicted. And, and the scripture says that he was, a, he was a friend of God. That kind of faith makes friendship with Christ. The Lord's friend is like Abraham. It's like this centurion that hears, believes, and just obeys. See, the centurion had this faith. In fact, as Luke chapter 7 verse 10 says, And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. Just as the scripture is said, and listen, I, I cannot explain how it happened other than it was just a display of God's miraculous power. Psalm 107.20 says this. It says, he sent out his word and healed them, and he delivered them from their destruction. It's amazing to read what God has done, and we live in a time with a lot of technological advances, right? I mean, we live in a time that, that you, yeah, you can make a phone call and you can actually see the other person on the end of the call. And we can, we can start our car from inside the house and we can take a little plastic card and we can stick it in a machine and push a few buttons and like money magically appears. We can take that same card and, and stick it in, 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 a, in a card reader at a store and we can purchase things. And uh, we, we have like this virtual assistant that follows us around all of the time and we can say, hey, Siri, or hey, Alexa, play this music, or we can ask them how to fix stuff, and they will actually tell us how to fix stuff, and our family, I'm, our, our family is impressed every year by this, that we have these, we have these Christmas decorations, and so around Christmas time every year, uh, we put them out on the table, and they're like these, these snowmen, and, and they, uh, they, they form, they're like a jazz band, and so once you put batteries in them and, and turn them on and you, you clap your hands, then all of a sudden these, these snowmen start playing music and dancing around, and, and we're impressed by that. Yes, we're a real spiritual family, but we're impressed by that. Uh, not too long ago, I was, I was in a village in, in Mimbezi in, in, in Africa. There's no electricity. There's like no running water. And yet our team, we're able to take pictures. We're able to post stuff on Facebook. And as we're taking those pictures, as we're posting them, people back here in Pueblo could see exactly what we're doing. I mean, you have a phone and we have, we have the Google and we can push a button and buy something and it magically appears on our front doorstep and, and we have turn by turn directions. We have cars that can like, like self park and, and some could even like self drive and we have unbelievable technical advances. Uh, but I'm telling you, nothing compares to a God is who, who is all powerful, who is all sufficient, who is all knowing, who, who at his word can change a situation 
He can change a situation in your life, and he can change a situation in my life. I mean, what a friend we have in Jesus. And I don't know. I don't know how people make it through a quarantine or a crisis without knowing that assurance, without knowing him. I cannot explain how Jesus can just speak a word and heal someone at a distance. I just know it can happen. The third and the last thing is this. There is a reaction. There's not only a request, there's not only a response, but but there is a reaction in this story. There are a number of relevant lessons that we can grab and we can understand about this issue of faith. One is this, is faith is believing what you cannot see and and cannot prove. Hebrews 11.1 again says, Now faith is the assurance of the things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Apparently, just from this story, this centurion had never seen Jesus heal anybody. And he had certainly never seen Jesus heal someone at a distance. But he believed he could do it even though he had never seen Jesus do it before. Faith is just simply this. It's examining the evidence and then putting your confidence in what you have have not seen and cannot prove. Mark Twain said this about, about faith. He was wrong, but this is what he said. Faith is believing what you know ain't so. No. Faith is believing the evidence and then making a decision. Listen, God doesn't ask you to have blind faith. He does ask you to examine the scriptures, examine the Bible, examine creation, (coughs) excuse me, examine creation, the evidence, study the life of Christ, listen to some testimonies, some people that follow Christ. And then make a decision. I mean, it's, it's interesting to me that during this quarantine, uh, I decided to, uh, to do, it, do something that I've been needing to do for quite a long time. And, and so Karen had come downstairs, st- and she, she looked at me, and she said, Hey, are you replacing the lights on our garage and front door? And I looked at her kind of odd, and I'm like, Yeah, how did you know? And she says, well, I went outside, and one of the lights is missing. And there's a ladder there, and there's some tools there. And she said, so I, I put two and two together. Now listen, if we can see something missing and, coming to a, and come to a conclusion, then we ought to be able to look at the evidence around us and come to the same conclusion. And come to a conclusion. The Bible says that the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the works of his hands. That you should be able to look at creation, the mountains, the heavens, the stars, and come to a creation that there has to be a God. Romans 1.20 says this, For his invisible attributes, namely his internal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. In these things that have been made... so. They are not without excuse. Faith, listen, faith is examining the evidence and believing in the things that we cannot see and we cannot prove. Faith also requires, it requires personal choice. This centurion didn't have much information. He didn't have any more information or any more intelligence than other people. He just chose to believe faith is a choice. 
we choose to believe these things about God that are true, or we choose to go through life as a skeptic. Acts chapter 19.9 says this, But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way, before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. Maybe you're a skeptic. Maybe, maybe, you, maybe you know someone like that. Maybe, maybe that's you. He talks about people that just go through life. And they, they refuse to believe. And they publicly malign the way of Christ or people who follow him. I think there's two primary reasons why people do that. Intellectual pride or moral rebellion, one of the two. Intellectual pride that there, there are those that consider themselves a little bit smarter, smarter than everybody else. And so as a result, they have a hard time believing. It's just kind of a hard thing for them to do. Listen, let me just speak to you just for a second. Faith doesn't require intellectual suicide. It does require crucifixion of intellectual pride. This centurion understood he didn't have all the answers. He didn't know everything. He couldn't solve all of his problems. He couldn't solve anybody else's problems. But another thing that can play into that is just issue a moral rebellion. Faith in Christ would, would cause someone to make a, a dramatic change in lifestyle. Hear, believe, and obey. It's, in other words, it's, it's easier just to refuse to believe or to repent than to change. Psalm 10.4 says this, in, his, in the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. All, all his thoughts are, there is no God. The prideful doesn't want to believe because they don't really have the courage or they don't want to change. That's why Jesus said, light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than the light because they're rebellious. So listen, faith isn't a matter of evidence. It's a matter of, it's a matter of the will. We can choose to swallow our pride, or we can choose to repent of sin and believe and follow him. Another thing about faith is this, is, is faith is measured by degrees, and it is increased by action. Jesus, like, marveled at this man's faith. This man had more faith, what Jesus said, than most people. There are times that he, he rebuked the disciples, right, for having not enough faith or having little faith. On other occasions, it says that, that faith small as a mustard seed. If you had faith as small as a mustard seed, that you could say this mountain to move, and it, it would move. And some of you are watching today, and you know what? You have great faith. Uh, your life is just a life of one of believing. Some of you may have 20% faith, or some of you may have 80% of faith. In Mark chapter 9, there's his father that had a crisis with his son, and he needed Jesus. I mean, he was like distraught over this, and he needed Jesus to, to heal his son and take care of his son. And he said that Jesus, just take pity on us. And, and then he said this thing, if you can. And Jesus, Jesus says, if I can. And look at this, Mark chapter 9, verse 24. For he says, immediately child father cried out and said, I believe, help me in my unbelief. Aren't we like that sometimes? Our faith is a matter of degrees. There is some, some faith that just kind of gets clogged up in skepticism. Now, if your faith is not great faith, you can increase your faith by acting on the faith that you have. The mustard seed 
had to be planted in order to grow. The small muscle of faith has to be exercised in order to be strengthened. Listen, I, I live about a couple of miles from, from the church from here. And at night, if I go out and get in my truck and turn my lights on, my headlights do not shine a path for, for me from all the way from the church all the way home. They shine about a path for me about 75 yards ahead of me, maybe 100 yards ahead of me. And as I drive, the path continues to be lit. It continues to be illuminated until I reach my home. As you proceed further, in other words... The path is lit, and you can grow your faith by not just sitting and waiting for God to zap you so you believe everything of Scripture. You can grow your faith by simply exercising the faith that you already have and follow him. That's why faith and action are always tied together in Scripture, always interwoven and interwoven in Scripture, James 2.26 says, for as the body apart for, from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. If you don't act on the faith that you have today, you'll never grow it. Another principle about this issue of faith is genuine faith is always rewarded by God in his time. Jesus rewarded this man's faith by restoring his servant. We're told in Hebrews eleven six. 6, I read the verse earlier, it said God rewards those who diligently seek him. Now, this doesn't mean that you're guaranteed a miracle. This doesn't mean that we're, we're guaranteed a healing. It doesn't mean that we're guaranteed financial security or marital bliss. But it does mean the seeds we sow in faith one day will reap a, par a positive harvest for him. Faith just keeps on believing what is not yet seen, believing that God will reward those who believe in him and seek him. And I've watched God. I've watched God do some amazing things. And God is going to reward you in this life and the life to come. And that's why we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. I told you about that song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. That song encouraged me for a number of years, and it wasn't until just a few weeks ago that I did some research and learned a little bit more about that song, and now it encourages me even more. In 1857, a man by the name of Joseph Scrivens uh, lived in Ireland. Um, his fiancée died. She, actually, she drowned the night before their wedding. He was so grief-stricken and and he was a believer, and Jesus was his friend. And he went through a really dark time in his life, and as a result of that, he left Ireland and traveled all the way to Canada. While in Canada, his mom gets sick back in Ireland. So he takes out a pen and paper and wrote a letter to his mom. That, that's like an email today for those of you that are younger. And he penned this letter to his mom to encourage her through her trial the way Jesus encouraged him through his trial. Joseph Scrivens had no idea that letter was going to become a hymn. What a friend we have in Jesus. I think the second stanza of the most important lyrics of this song 
maybe the most powerful for me, hopefully for you, was this. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes right where you are? Let me just ask you a question. What is God saying to your result of this message? What is, what is he saying to your result of his word? What is he asking you to do to some of you? Do some of you need to surrender your pride? Do some of you need to understand that, listen, you, you don't have all the answers. You can't fix all of your problems. You can't fix anybody's problems. And do you need to start a friendship, a relationship with him? <coughs> Where you ask him to come into your life and to forgive you of your sins. Give you the gift of eternal life. And it's God to the very best of my ability. I'm going fo to follow you. I'm going to hear. I'm going to believe and I'm going to obey. And I'm going to start exercising the faith I have. And as you illuminate the path for me, I'm going to continue to walk. Maybe. Maybe you're a believer and say, you know what? I need you just to take it to the Lord in prayer. I need to be reminded that he's my friend. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, let me just pray. Father, we thank you for your love and we thank you for your grace. Father, we thank you just for the power of your name. Lord, we thank you that we can have a friendship with you. We can have a relationship with you. Father, I pray people are accepting you and asking you to come into their life, exercising the faith that they already have. And I pray people are pulling closer to you now. They will know that you are good, that you are faithful, and that you will reward them. In Jesus' name, amen.